This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. The charity RNIB have produced a guide to employing someone with sight loss for employers who may have misconceptions about hiring someone who is blind or partially sighted. To find out why it's needed in the first place and to find out what it will hopefully achieve, I'm joined by Ross Headley, Evidence and Service Impact Officer with RNIB. Hello, hi there. Now, Ross, it's 2016. Shouldn't employers be progressive enough to not need a guide like this? Well, it's a good question. And the background to this is that, unfortunately, the the proportion of of registered blind and partially sighted people in employment has has decreased. Ten years ago, we reported that that one in three blind and partially sighted people were in employment. Um, And we've just published uh, research from the largest survey of blind and partially sighted people we've ever done. And unfortunately, that, that's now gone down to one in four blind and partially sighted people, um, registered blind and partially sighted people that are in employment. And, and you know, we, we know that work has a bearing not just on finances and, and security, but also on, on well-being and self-worth and, uh, and confidence. And, you know, the evidence suggests that the majority of employers don't have a particularly positive attitude to employing blind and partially sighted people. And I, I mean, I expect that this is largely due to misconceptions and myths. You know, we understand that employers might have concerns about taking on someone with sight loss um, or about an existing employer who's losing their sight. Um, and as you said in your introduction, this guide is uh, sets out to, to bust some of those myths and um, misconceptions. Why do you actually think that these misconceptions and myths are still out there? We've obviously got more to do in terms of getting the message out there, and that's what we're trying to trying to do with this guide. I and mean, some of the sort of messages that we're trying to get out there are that um, you know, blind and partially sighted people can can do almost any job. Uh, recent research um, shows that blind and partially sighted people work in in every major category of employment and succeed in these sectors as well. And so apart from, from obvious jobs such as you know, piloting a plane or driving a car, a blind or partially sighted person can do just about any job. There are blind and partially sighted nurses, secretaries, car mechanics, scientists, stockbrokers, MPs, journalists. And what we're trying to do is kind of get that message out there. We want employers to understand that you know, advances in technology mean that blind and partially sighted people can use computers and screen reading software, which converts text to speech or screen magnification software, which enlarges the image on the screen, allows blind and partially sighted people to do this. And also, employers don't need to pay for everything. Financial help is available from the government through the Access to Work scheme. Is that, do you think, a major issue or uh, something that would maybe concern employers unnecessarily cost the cost of employing someone who's blind or partially sighted or indeed anyone with a disability? Do you think that maybe sits in the back of their mind somewhere? I think that the, the main things that would probably be on an employer's mind are firstly, you know, whether, whether the person has the ability to do the job. I, I think a lot of employers might think that you know, a blind person can't use a computer because they can't see the screen. And, you know, I think that's a common misconception and one that we try to, to you know, to address in, in, in the guide by basically sort of setting out what access technology is. And like you say, uh, you know, cost is also a factor as well. You know, employers probably think that, you know, if, if, if they are aware of this equipment, that they're going to have to pay a lot of money for it. 
And there's also other misconceptions. Employers may think that blind and partially sighted people might take a lot of sick days, for example. But I mean, blindness isn't an illness, and, and there's actually evidence to show disabled employers take, take less than average sick leave, and they also have longer tenures, so they actually um, stay with an employer for longer as well. I have heard that before, Ross, and, and read those kind of statistics, and that basically if you're hiring someone with a disability, the stats say that you're getting a more efficient employee. Yeah, that's right. We also know that over a quarter of, of non-working registered blind and partially sighted people said that the main reason for leaving their last job was because of the onset of sight loss or, or deterioration of their sight. We really want to make the case that it doesn't have to be like this. You know, if you've got an employee who has worked for a number of years for you and they start to lose their sight, you're losing all of the the skills, the knowledge, the networks, the relationship that they've built up over time. And so, you know, our message is that, you know, that there are simple steps that you can take. You don't have to pay for everything and you can hold on to to that employee and all the skills and networks and knowledge that they've built up over time. That's such a great point, actually, Ross, because if you have, as an employer, got a long-serving employee, they will have so many skills and years of experience, and to lose someone because of an eye condition, it wouldn't make any sense. Exactly, and and it just simply doesn't have to be like that. There's no reason that that person can't continue to do their job in, in virtually every case, you know, other than the, the few rare examples such as, you know, piloting a plane that I've mentioned, you know, the, the vast majority of jobs people can continue to be able to work in in that role. Do you think facts and statistics and a guide like this for employers makes it easier for businesses to understand the benefits of employing certain groups? So in that sense, that's why something like this is really beneficial. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we've tried to make it really accessible. We've, We've got a lot of information on our website for employers that goes into a lot more detail in this guide. But this guide is just a sort of 20-page document that covers the basics. It covers the issues that we feel are going to be, you know, at the forefront of most employers' minds. It signposts to those places such as our website where you can find much more detailed information on, on these aspects if you want to. Ross, it is a shame that this guide has to exist, but it is completely understandable why it exists. What do you hope to achieve with it? Well, what we're hoping to achieve by it is that more and more employers are aware that blind and partially sighted people can work and contribute to their organisations and that they feel emboldened to be able to to interview someone who is blind or partially sighted for the job and that they don't panic when someone in their organisation starts to lose their sight and what we're trying to do as an organisation is to get that message out there that you know that sight loss doesn't have to equal job loss. So how can anyone learn more about the guide for employers and use it to their advantage? You can obtain a free copy of the guide if you go to www.ronib.org.uk forward slash employing someone. You can also email us at employmentservices at ronib.org.uk and you can request a, a free hard copy of the guide. Ross Headley, Evidence and Service Impact Officer with RNIB. Many thanks for talking to me today on Insight Radio. Thanks very much. Cheers, man. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.